I'm Caitlin Wittenberg. And I'm Santosh Sankar. And this is Dynamo Discussions. excited today to have Stefan Seltz-Oxmacher, the CEO and founder at Starsky Robotics. You may have heard of this company. They are a driverless truck startup that just came out of stealth mode. All right, let's start from the beginning. Um, first of all, have you always wanted to start your own company? And then maybe talk a little bit about what brought you to starting Starsky in the first place. Um, so I don't know if I'd say I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, um, but a lot of other people would say that probably is BS. I probably never really thought I, I could be an entrepreneur because that seemed a little bit too cool um, for me. Um, like it, I, By which I mean I didn't think I was cool enough to be an entrepreneur. That seemed kind of like a magical, holy place. <laughs> and I still would – I don't know if I could say the sentence that I'm an entrepreneur without lots of tacit things around it, even though that's ridiculous. I've had my own company for a year and a quarter at this point. Um, I've always been really ambitious. Uh, when I was a kid, I remember telling my, my mom or my, my grandfather or someone that I wanted to be an inventor. I took an entrepreneurship class in high school. I always had big ideas, um, and I always wanted to do big things. Um, I just never really knew how that would unfold. I was, I was very ambitious from a young age, and I kind of like – I remember sometime in middle school or even like late elementary school thinking about, um, all right, I want to be – I want to do big things. Uh, what am I best at? Because like my dad is like an engineer and like a scientist and I wasn't going to be a good scientist. I don't like researching things indefinitely. That's just not like, that is not like the best combination. That is not the, the thing that I am best at, um, to, to make myself successful. Uh, and I kind of realized that I like business. I'm good at talking to people. I'm good at getting people to do things, which is something I learned playing a lot of risk and monopoly. That is kind of my... That is my secret sauce that I'm better at than other people. So I've always been really interested in business. Right. Uh, that that interest in that very kind of practical of like actually doing real things uh, led me to go to a school where while I was in school, I worked, you know, three full-time internships for six months each. And the first one was at a manufacturing company, which is how I learned about the trucking space. And the third one was at a startup, which is how I learned, oh, wow, like I think I want to work in startups like this. This startup is insane. Uh, they, they're a 40-person company that randomly hired 30 interns and flew them from all over the world. And there's a, a Russian oligarch doing a hostile takeover. This is nuts. I, this is what I want to do. Because like, I was an intern managing like 30 other interns on a project. And that never would have happened at an internship at like Johnson & Johnson. There was no chance for that. So that led to me being really into the startup space, even though I don't know – my, my goal was never start my own startup because I didn't think I had a good enough idea. Um, it was always like go join someone else's startup and you know open up an office and be a big deal in someone else's startup, maybe eventually a CEO if I was lucky. And how, how that led to kind of Starsky is I came out to, I came out to Silicon Valley after a brief stint in Boston after school. Uh, I worked at one startup doing a sales gig for, for a couple months. I worked at a co-working space where I got to meet all these really cool entrepreneurs for like two years. And I was at, doing sales at another startup. And I went on this uh, road trip with a, with a roommate of mine. And we started talking about cool robots he could build. And I remembered back to this, uh, this internship I had after my freshman year of college where I learned about how messed up the trucking space was. 
kind of came up with an idea that seemed to make driverless trucks feasible. And then I started talking to a lot of these people I met when I was working at that co-working space, like other entrepreneurs and investors, trying to trying to like make sure like there's no reason I stumbled upon this great idea. This is a great idea. There's no way that I stumbled upon this. Someone's definitely done this. There's a good reason why this isn't possible. And nobody gave me a good reason why it wasn't possible. And it just seems kind of ridiculous. We're talking about driverless cars. Why is no one talking about driverless trucks? That's obvious. That's practical. That's a way more important thing. So I kind of started working on it there, not because I thought I was cool enough. It just seemed like too good of an idea to pass up. How long ago was that really? That you really so that, that was last August. So that okay. was... Uh, or two Augusts ago, I guess. Um, geez, uh, August of 2015, and I started doing that like exploration into into the startup uh, like heavily in September of 2015. So why don't you take us through the journey of building Starsky to this point? Yeah, yeah, it was a fun one. Uh, yeah, it's a big cluster. So started working on it in September, um, and I kind of like you know I I kind of like was in between things and thinking like, all right, I'll give this like, I have, I have some money saved up from old, old commission, uh, old commission checks. I did a study abroad in Asia and I like travel around Southeast Asia for a month. That was really cool. And I've always wanted to do the whole like travel for six months thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought like, I'm probably going to spend my money doing that. Like that's, I have enough money that like, if I lived cheap enough, I could travel the world for two years. That would be cool. Um, and that's probably what I'm going to do, but this is a really good idea. So I'm going to go meet with people for like two weeks to see if this is a good enough idea to really pursue. And I like, you know, met with like, I'm, I'm sure I probably met with one to one to two people a day, um, for two weeks. And it seemed like this is a really good idea. So I kind of then said, I'm going to give myself six months. And at the end of that six months, I should have the money left to like traveling really cheap, travel for six months. Um, and then, you know, I'll move to New York and find a new job or something like that. Um, so then my, my six months started and what, what became really clear was the biggest problem people had with the idea of Starsky was that like, I wasn't Elon Musk or some other really smart person who everyone already knew about. Mm -hmm. So there was like a credibility gap, which is credibility gaps are kind of BS because if this all goes well, I'll have lots of credibility in, you know, two years. Uh, and if it, and that's not really a big difference between, you know, last year. Um, so I, so I started this with, a with, with my roommate and, you know, we're working on it and I'm, we're meeting all these investors and, and really like a lot of, like, I'm able to secure a lot of meetings because no one's really working on self-driving trucks and they make sense. And I think a lot of people just wanted to feel me out. Um, but of course I used every, I thought of every, you know, random meeting with Founders Fund or whoever as a sign that I was imminently going to be funded for all the money in the world. Um, even though we were only looking for like 300,000. I had this uh, had this investor who uh, was willing to take care of my co-founder's visa and give us 75k and that was going to be great. We interviewed with them in October and then it was November and then in, in December they kind of mentioned that they'd made a commitment to us like in passing to someone else. I was like, what the hell? Uh, so then in January we signed the paperwork. You know, we're, we're in their incubator and they've, they're investing 75K. This is awesome. My co-founder who is work, still working a full-time job at a – doing data science at a well-known startup. Gotcha. Um, put his notice in 
And their CTO basically sat him down and was like, well, you're really smart. We'd like to make you in charge of, uh, of our autonomous vehicle program. And he's like 23 or so at the time. And like we're – me and him are really good friends as well as roommates, as well as co-founders. And the next week is like nail-biting and he's like, I'm, I'm going to stay at this company. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do Starsky. I'm going to stay at this company. At the end of the week, he, uh, he announces that he is going to stay at his job, leave Starsky. Um, so on February 4 of 2016, I had no technical co-founder. So this huge credibility problem that I already had is now bigger. Mm-hmm. I have double the rent in San Francisco, uh, which, is, which means my rent in San Francisco, my rent is now $4,000 a month, which makes my personal runway about six weeks, mm-hmm. which sucked. Uh, so, A, I just realized I have known you for a while uh, yeah. then because I actually remember uh, just, you know, probably a week after that happened. getting on the phone with you. But taking a step back here, you know, there were many moments there when, you know, a lot of people probably did things where you trusted in them and thought that they would not. How have you kind of navigated that? Because as a founder, you need to have trust in your co-founders, the people you surround yourself with. Did that phase you? Uh, How have you kind of operated through that all? So it's taught me a lot um, about the world. Um, I, I like to think that I have like decently good upbringing and I thought about morality a lot as a kid and as a teenager, I thought about what's right and what's right for the sake of what's right when I was, you know, like, and like I've, I've been through some things in my life that led me to think about things like that. I've seen people do things that I disagree with and led me to think about that some more. Um, what kind of became clear through both of those experiences, through the auto guy, through the first co-founder, is that a decent chunk of the population only has morality when the stakes are low. Hmm. When all of a sudden the stakes are hundreds of thousands of dollars a year or hundreds of millions of dollars a year, a lot of people all of a sudden become very selfish. Um, Like their morality is – like I mean it's – like I – the team, my team jokes that I make everything a dating comparison. Um, it's really easy to not cheat on your wife when no one's interested in you. Like if you're, if you're fucking ugly, um, and you're not pleasant and I'm I'm sorry, if you're ugly, if you're not pleasant, if you're, you know, mean to be around, it's really easy to have fidelity and be loyal to the people who love you because you don't have many options. It's a very different thing. If people are coming up and throwing themselves at you every night. Mm-hmm. And what I learned is, especially in something like this, where the money is so big, if we win, if Starsky wins, we could be the size of ExxonMobil. In, in a situation like that, you really see people act in ways that their mothers would not be proud of. Right. Yeah, that's a hard lesson to learn, especially when you're building your first company. There's, yeah. And you're, you are facing those same stakes. So what, how do you move on? Like, what do you do? To, to kind of push through those feelings? Um, I mean, I think you just kind of keep on marching forward. Yeah. I mean, I've been disappointed in humanity before. Um, if you read history, <laughs> you get disappointed in humanity a lot. If you travel into poorer countries, you're disappointed in humanity a lot. Yeah. Uh, um, I like to think that the people I, I, I try to surround myself with good people. 
that doesn't always work out, but I think it's just, you know, it's, it's, you keep on marching forward. Like what I did, you know, after February four, I was scared. I was scared. I had six weeks left of money. I had no found, no co-founder. I was not going to be able to afford my apartment. I had no idea what to do, but you know, I kind of sat down and I broke it into component pieces. I, I need to get a new co-founder. I need to help pay the rent. I need money. And you know, the benefit of doing something like this full time is I got a lot of hours a week to work on these things. Right. So as kind of a stopgap measure, I set up my, uh, my co-founder's room as an Airbnb and started renting that out. Um, I started applying to a bunch of jobs, some VC jobs, but I was afraid of like, I didn't want to apply to VCs that were like too good because if Starsky came back together, then, uh, you know, <laughs> then they'd think like, oh, why were you applying for a job, you know, mm-hmm. last week right. and pitching us this week? So I applied for some jobs like that. I uh, cold emailed some people and actually the cold emailing ended up getting me a consulting gig that in 40, in 20 hours a week paid my expenses ish would pay the rent and like some money for food. And, you know, I had some more credit cards to dig into. So, so that was how I solved that. Uh, and I started my co-founder search. A buddy of mine had gotten a sales gig at Mattermark, which is a startup that does, uh, uh, start, they, they sell startup data to like VCs. So VCs can track and understand startups and, and Mattermark, one of the things they do is they have the score of, is the company trending upwards or downwards? So I got this like two week trial of Mattermark and I used it to pull up a list of robotics startups in the Bay area that were trending downwards. Cause like, a, I need a robotics engineer to be my co-founder and B I needed like someone who's actually willing to be a fucking co-founder. Like someone who was actually going to follow through. So I uh, pulled up that list, went to the you know the people who were trending downwards, and started sending out cold emails. One of the top people on that list was this. There's this company called Updroid, which is a really cool company. Um, they were building these personal robots. You could basically program apps for, and then they could do things. Really complex robot. Consumer hardware is hard, and it's it's a robot with a lot of complex moving pieces. And and honestly, it's a robot that's more complicated than what we need to build for Starsky. We need to build something that's more reliable but less complicated. I, I look into this company and I realize that when you look at LinkedIn, there's there's five people with Updroid on their on their LinkedIn accounts, but only one person who currently works there. I look up Crunchbase and Angelist, and it looks like the startup like raised you know six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars two years ago, but nothing since. There's a flurry of Twitter and social media activity in December, followed by nothing. And it kind of looks like this is a this is a startup that is not doing well. So I sent it. Uh, so the the one guy who's left there is this this guy Kartik Tiwari who went to IIT, the best school in India. Then he went to Carnegie Mellon's robotics program for uh, for a master's, and that's like the best robotics program, and that's where everyone talks about uh, autonomous vehicles. So I sent him a cold email and sent him an email that's basically like, hey, so I have this funded startup. <laughs> and I don't have a technical co-founder. I have no idea how to recruit robotics engineers. Uh, I see that you've recruited some robotics engineers before. You want to have coffee and talk about how to re- recruit robotics engineers. And <laughs> his response, and now that I know him very well, to give a spoiler, his, his response was basically, uh, I'm, I'm actually looking for a new job. <laughs> 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 which, 
of course I had figured um, from all of the, so, uh, the, the, the presence. So I sent him an email. Like, so we, we find some time to chat really briefly, kind of tell him some high level stuff. And we, we sit down at like two or 3 PM in the afternoon. And we're talking still when it's like seven or eight and it's dark outside. And we're on the, and we're, and we're like sitting on the street talking about driverless trucks. And I'm like, well, do you want to see like what we actually have? We walk like three blocks to my apartment, start looking at that stuff, talk some more. And he's basically like, this sounds really good, but it seems too good, which is really the whole thing with what we're doing. It just seems obvious. And if you look at the problem in the right way, it's just like, why has someone, why hasn't someone smarter than Stefan started working on this first, which I think every day. So he goes and spends like a week fact checking me and he comes back and is like, well, like from what I can tell, you're right. Let's do this. I had managed to, you know, the, the 75K that was originally invested, I imagined to keep that on the table. So me and Kartik started working uh, together. We started talking in like mid-February and he like came on full-time in March and then started working. We started getting stuff done. We started doing tests. We, as a cool little win in March, we had like some random kid send me an email on LinkedIn saying he was looking for an internship and we ended up getting like a free intern for the summer, which was like... After all of this crap that had happened in Q1, it was just this like wonderful little win in a world of no wins because we still only had the, like the $75,000 had turned into $100,000 from the same investors, but we still only had like one investor. A guy who I met while doing that co-founder search was like, I don't want to be your co-founder because I'm a grown up, but I want to be your advisor and I'll invest. So like we had like 110K. We applied to Y Combinator, assuming that we wouldn't get in because we, because me and my my first co-founder had applied and get in. Um, we go to the interview thinking like, this is going to be cool, but like it's not. Th- this is not going to happen. Nobody believes that we can do this. We have to just like make a truck drive itself in a parking lot. Like that's no one's going to believe us. Uh, we go walk into a room and there's Justin Kahn, whose brother founded Cruise and who himself like founded Twitch and is a big deal. There's uh, uh, Kirsty, the, the CFO of YC, who asks detailed questions about financial structures that I have to answer in a smart way. And there's Sam Altman, who's Sam Altman. And they ask us a bunch of questions, and then they don't ask us for a re-interview. So I'm, of course, convinced we're not going to get in. And then that night, I get a call from Justin Kahn, and turns out we've made it into Y Combinator thinking about kind of what is your biggest strength? You've been through a a lot in a year and a quarter as you've kind of laid it out, but like what is your biggest strength through that all that's helped you persevere? Um, well, so to help persevere and biggest strength, I, I mean, honestly, the biggest strength that I'd say that's, and it's not so much to help persevere is, um, I'm very aware and comfortable with the idea that I'm working out of my league and out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Like I know that I don't know most of what I need to know to do this. Yeah, I think a lot of uh, CEOs or just uh, founders in general have this notion that they have to kind of fake it um, yep. and convince everyone they're the smartest in the room. Um, so I think it's really cool to hear it's like, no, admit you're not and people will respect that and they know what they're getting so they trust you yeah and i also think like um so if you need to be the smartest in the room like a lot of the times you walk into the room and your life is a pissing contest mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. you know if i like when i first talked to you santosh if i needed to prove that i was smarter than you um like say we talked for 45 minutes 30 minutes of that call would be oh yeah 
you did this. Well, I did that. Mm-hmm. Um, if I very quickly comment, I'm like, yeah, so I don't really know that much about trucking or logistics. I've done a decent amount of reading. Here's what I think. Please tell me how you think I'm wrong. Then all of a sudden people, people start telling you how they think you're wrong or they start telling you how they think you're right. Yep. And it means you end up spending a lot more time learning. It's a lot easier for people to like you and want to do favors for you if you're genuinely interested in them and what knowledge they have to share. Like people like feeling smart. So my willingness to be stupid mm-hmm. makes other people yeah. happier to help me and happier to work with me, yeah. mm-hmm. which means we're, we're as Starsky, we're able to leverage a lot more support from a lot more smart people than someone who needed to feel cool and smart. You mentioned favors. Like, have you had to use a lot of uh, favors to get where you got to go? Like ask for free oh, yeah. help. And, and how has that been? Is that just something you're comfortable with or? So, I mean, I'm a sales guy, so I'm comfortable asking people for stuff. Yeah. I mean, like that's, I mean, my first job out of college I was doing, uh, by the time I left a hundred to 300 cold calls a day. Um, to VPs or above at companies that made over hundred million dollars. And like that, that does not mean I'm some sales master, but it does mean like I've been forced to put myself out there a decent number of times. And I think, I think that type of sales experience is a great experience for a founder. But I think like with favors and this is part, this is not to, not to go off the party line too much. Um, this is a great thing about Silicon Valley that people are very open to this. And also Silicon Valley is such a small world that you can get very far with this type of thing. But I think if you make it really easy for people to help you, A, it's easier to ask people to help you, and B, it's easier to get people to help you. Like say I'm talking to Santosh, and there's some connection that Santosh has that I want. Santosh knows Bill, and I want to meet Bill. Um, And Santosh says, oh, yep, I know Bill. Maybe I can introduce you. Now, what a lot of people do is, cool, all right, Santosh is going to introduce me to Bill. Woohoo! I'm going to meet Bill. My company will be great. Way to go. Santosh is the man. Uh, what I do and what, what people who I know who are more effective at getting these type of favors do, follow up with an email to Santosh, you know, subject line, Bill intro, question mark. Hey, Santosh, it was great chatting with you just now. You mentioned that you knew Bill. Would you be willing to introduce us? As you know, Starsky is doing blah, 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 blah. Bill seems really interesting because of blah, 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 and I'd really like to talk to him. Are you willing to make an intro? Thanks so much. Bye. With that email, Santosh can then just hit forward, send it to Bill, and all Santosh has to type in that email is question mark. And then Bill can say, no, nah, this guy Stefan seems like a jerk, not interested. Santosh can forward that to me, or I can never hear from Santosh about this again, and oh well. Or Bill can, Bill can say, and honestly, because people like to talk about what they know, because people want, like to be wanted – will probably say, yeah, sure, I'd be happy to talk to, to Stefan for 15 minutes. And then all of a sudden I have an intro to Bill. And like that really simple playbook is incredibly effective. Um, Sandos, did you have another question? Or? No, I think, uh, I think we're, we're good. I think uh, hearing your story was awesome, Stefan. Thanks for the cool. time. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for, cool. uh, for sharing all that. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, guys. You have a great rest of your day. Thanks, back. man. You thanks, too. you too. This week's episode was brought to you by Kinko Group. Kinko is one of the largest family-owned, privately held third-party logistics and supply chain management companies in the nation. You can learn more at kinkogroup.com. That's all for today's episode. We'll be back at the end of the week with our weekly wrap-up on all things logistics tech. You can find more great content at hitthebutton.com. Learn what Dynamo's all about at dynamo.bc and reach out to us on Twitter at thisisdynamo. All right, have a good week.